Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you for being here for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill, and I have a very special guest for you today, Jonathan Robinson. Shout out actually to our mutual friend, Scott Katamas, who connected us a couple of weeks ago. And that is the beauty of human connection. We all have someone in our lives who could be a meaningful connection to somebody else, as we talked about on another recent podcast we did with Charles Bird. So today I want to share with you before we dive in a little bit about who Jonathan is in the world. There's so many accolades. The man has appeared on Oprah many times, worked with uh, Mother Teresa, interviewed Deepak Chopra, Ram Das, and many others. He's a psychotherapist, best-selling author who has written 14 books and has reached over 200 million, that's right, million people around the world with his, his practical methods. And his work has been translated into 47 different languages. Today, one of the main topics I want to dive into with him is his new book, which is called Ecstasy as Medicine, How MDMA Can Help You Overcome Trauma, Anxiety, and Depression, and Feel More Love. He is also the author of The Enlightenment Project. That's where he shares what he learned from interviewing over 100 thought leaders, including a few of the folks that I mentioned, such as Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama. As a professional speaker, Jonathan is often featured at Coca-Cola, Google, IBM, and Microsoft, just to name a few. Jonathan, you got to love life's little synchronicities. When we were connected by Scott, often life happens, right? We both have very busy schedules. I think we both had 15 minutes allocated and a 45-minute call later, we're deep diving into the meaning of the universe and enlightenment. That was fun. It was. That was one of the most enjoyable conversations I had for a while. I said, let's do this. And here we are two days later recording a podcast. So Jonathan, tell us, how did you come to go from writing a book to enlightenment to writing a book on ecstasy and how it's the new medicine. Talk to us a little bit about that. My history is I was a suicidally depressed teenager, having grown up in a very dysfunctional family. So starting around age 12, I was meditating and doing self-hypnosis and drugs and everything. And I, at some point I realized I want to feel good. I want to feel peaceful. I want to feel love. That's what's important. So I did two paths. One was the MDMA drug path, which I got my master's degree on doing that type of therapy. And then the other was meditation and talking to spiritual leaders to see if I could find a way to find peace within myself. So I've always done those two things. One is the book, The Enlightenment Project, and the other is the book, Ecstasy as Medicine. And both have become more popular over the years. When I was doing this as a 15-year-old, people thought I was totally wacko. But now, I teach a course on MDMA facilitation, and I teach what I consider the easiest methods to awaken, things that take like under one minute or so to do that can change your consciousness. Because I figure I'm a lazy person. I want to do easy things. And I found out that a lot of other people want the same. 
Yeah, that that's what really piqued my interest on our first call. You started rattling off like five, 10 tools in 10 minutes on how to become enlightened. So if you wouldn't mind, because I am enthralled by your story, the one that you shared with me about the secret mantra to enlightenment. Could you share that story with us? Sure. I always want the best techniques and ones that can be done really quickly. So when I interviewed all these spiritual leaders, they said gratitude was a real doorway for awakening. And a friend of mine came back from India. He was all lit up. And he said, uh, I, I asked him, well, what happened in India? He said, my guru gave me this magical mantra for feeling gratitude all the time. It's Thanksgiving today. It's good to remember that. So um, I decided, I asked him, can you give me the, the mantra? And he said, no, you got to get directly from the guru. And India is 18,000 miles away and a pain to get to. But I go all the way there. I'm jet lagged and, and resentful that I have to go all the way there. Take a rickshaw. I wait in line four hours to talk to the guru. I'm mad at this point, but I want the stupid mantra. I tell him what I want. And he says in his deep Indian accent, yes, my mantra is the most powerful on earth. And he leans in to whisper in my ear. At this point, I'm not even breathing because I don't want to miss anything. And he says, whenever possible, repeat these words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. I look at him, I figure he's joking with me, but he's totally serious. And it hits me. I travel all the way. I say, that's it? I have been sharing that story with everyone because that's it. You're like, you have two choices at this moment, right? Choice number one is be embittered and angry and pissed off on that 18,000 mile travel back or apply the mantra. So what did you do? Yeah. So when I say that's it, he says, no, that's it is not the mantra. You must say thank you from your heart. So when you eat good food, say thank you. Or you see your child or sunset, say thank you. So, you know, I said thanks for nothing. And he said, no, that's not the mantra. You must say thank you from your heart. Since I traveled all that way, I, I go into a taxi. I'm still pissed off, but it has air conditioning. So I say thank you for this air conditioning. I go to my hotel. There's a bottle of water. I say, oh, thank you for this water. I open up my computer. And uh, this was a bunch of years ago. I say thank you for the computer. I Skype my wife. At this point, I'm talking to my wife on the other side of the planet for free. Mm -hmm. I go, thank you for technology. Thank you for Skype. Thank you for my wife. Tears roll down my face. Mm -hmm. And my wife says, that must have been some mantra. And I said, you have no idea. Oh. But we live better than kings lived 50 years ago. But if you don't acknowledge each blessing as it happens, you can always be in the that's it mantra, which is what we live with normally. Hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's so powerful. It's we we're unconscious. That's why we call the show regarding consciousness. Everything is regarding consciousness. As my dear <clears throat> Don Hoffman would say, you should have him on your show. Uh, he's written a mathematical formula for consciousness saying that con consciousness is fundamental. Everything else is not, but consciousness is. And so yeah. consciousness with which we do anything whether it's having dinner with a friend or one of the, God, I love that other technique that you mentioned the other day, Jonathan, the one about appreciation. Would you mind sharing that uh, before you meet with somebody? I think it was from either Dan Sullivan or Dr. Uh, I took a class in which you got a lot of different meditation techniques. And I asked a, a Harvard researcher who studied enlightenment, what's the most powerful technique he came across? And he said, 
making a list of people that you have loved and appreciated in your life and just spend a minute thinking about what you love and appreciate about them and doing that for 30 people, that's 30 minutes bathing yourself in love. And there's no more powerful frequency for awakening and for uh, personal growth than love. So before I meet someone, and I did this today before the podcast, I had a, a little bit of a challenging morning, but I was able to shift my feeling. I'm thinking, Jennifer is a really wonderful person. I really enjoyed that. And then I spent a minute on Scott, our mutual friend. And then I spent a minute on my dog. I have no baggage with my dog at all. So it's always really easy to feel love for her. And then within a minute and a half or so, I'm starting to feel love. And it's much more fun coming from love than coming from, man, that person didn't return my phone call. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I'm with you on the dog dog thing. Whenever I'm dropping into heart-focused breathing, which is a heart math technique I use, they say mm. connect to a regenerative mm. emotion. And every time I think of my dog licking my face 500 times every morning, because there is nothing quite as magical as the unrequited love of a dog and a human of, I love you, I love you, I love you. We could learn yeah. so much from that of, I love you, I love you, I love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> they, they are advanced meditators. I think they're our modern day gurus. No, Oh my God, it's hilarious. I probably shouldn't put this on uh on a show, but I don't care. Somebody else needs to go and do this. I have an idea for a movie. It's not my cup of tea. It's not something I want to do myself, but somebody needs to make this. It's a trading places movie. And you have this 40 something year old man who has it all. He has the wealth, the beautiful like apartment, sky views, the money, the prestige. And he has his dog, right? Like this golden retriever. And it's his 40th birthday, pops open a beer, looks at the dog is like, you have it all. You have the easiest life in the world. I have to report to the boards. I got to handle this. And so the dog, huh? You have it all too. I love you. I love you. I love you. And in that yeah. moment, it's one of those trading places things where they both go to sleep. The human wakes up as the dog wakes up as the human. The dog as the human transforms the human's life. Everybody loves him. The board loves him. The numbers are through the roof. His girlfriend falls back in love with him. The oh. human as the dog then is goes through chaos because he doesn't know how to be loved or how to work with anybody. And the whole theme is that he gets captured. And the only way that he can escape is to actually learn to cooperate and be loving with others in order to get back to himself. Anyway, That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I wrote a book called Conversations with Dog, which is about a talking dog that teaches his owner about how to love again. Yes, that's exactly it. See, we're coming at it from two different angles. So yeah, like we get jaded as many gifts as we have. That's why everybody says gratitude this, gratitude that, though there is scientific research to show, start every day with the first thing on your mind being what you're grateful for and end mm. every day. The last thing you think about being grateful. I'm odd, like having been to third world countries and built schools in Nepal and Senegal, having electricity, mm -hmm. running water, let alone like a toilet is a miracle. God forbid there's stuff like a refrigerator, which is an added blessing that we take for granted, right? Yeah. I live in, in snow country. And last year we had no electricity for 13 days when it was under 25 degrees. And so now I do a little practice when I wake up and I turn the light. I say, thank you, light. That means I have electricity that day. And then, of course, I smooch my dogs. <clears throat> and a lot of people, when they have a nice moment, like with their dogs or their kids or in nature, they interrupt it by thinking, oh, what do I have to do next? 
So I, I say a great happiness technique is to, when you're in a nice moment, just decide to stay there for 30 seconds longer. Mm. But you can double your good moments by not interrupting them. So now I spend three minutes just loving my dog and she kisses me and I pet her and we do it as far as, as we can possibly do it each morning. It's a great way to start the day. Yeah, it's, it just shifts our perspective. Years ago, I had seen an African shaman speak about this and he said every day, <clears throat> unconscious of the fact that we put on a pair of glasses. Much <clears throat> all know the analogy of rose-colored glasses, yet so many of us put on despair, fear, scarcity colored glasses and if we start the day with happiness appreciation love we can color our day just like you you know what life is going to happen people are going to betray us things are going to happen we're going to lose time money energy and the only thing that we have a say in about it is who we're going to be in the face of it yeah what your attitude is yeah, absolutely. So tell us about this new book. We went on a tangent here because I was so lit up <laughs> about what you were sharing with me the other day on gratitude and thankfulness. Talk to me about ecstasy as medicine. I don't know if you know this, uh, Jennifer, but the FDA is going to make the drug MDMA, and also known as ecstasy and molly, a medically prescribed drug in 2024. Mm. That followed 40 years of trials showing that it is perhaps the best medicine ever for curing people of certain uh, psychological challenges like trauma, anxiety, and depression. I've been uh, spearheading this for 40 years now, and I teach a course on it. People can find out at mdmatraining.net. But it's basically a way that it helps people loosen their defenses and be open. I, I like to say you can do two or three years of therapy in one day when you're guided on this medicine. And most people know it as a party drug, but we need all the help we can get now to feel more love and connection. And the fact that this will soon be a legal medicine means that a lot of people need to be trained to figure out how to use this new technology in a way to help us get back to a place of love. Yeah, it's funny, you do it recreationally, right? you euphemism because not I never did know I'm just kidding <laughs> I've totally done it. it's fine it's I hadn't done it for probably 20 years since I you do it recreationally when you're in college and at a rate yeah. and then I met an incredible facilitator recently and had an experience and it was like wow you really can open your heart and for me what I noticed Jonathan is that my brain, many of you may have noticed from listening to the show, goes at 100,000 miles an hour. And it is exhausting sometimes to be up here. And I remember I was just being with the medicine and with the intention. And then I noticed I don't have any thoughts. I don't have yeah. 500 million things that I'm thinking of that are going to happen next. And It's a miracle. Yeah, it's a miracle. It's like this beautiful state of peace. Though I think it is important to talk to your doctors because I remember I love one of my friends. I think I mentioned him to you. Clay has a sleep spray that I adore that has 5-HTP and L-theanine and melatonin. Uh -huh. But I, you do have to be careful because there are certain, what is that called? Things that contraindications. Yeah, thank yeah. you. You have to be careful. So definitely check it out when it becomes available and just be sure to talk to your doctor about it. Talk to me a little bit about that, Jonathan. What have been some of the biggest miraculous stories that you've seen in people using it? I'll tell you a funny story with my parents. I, Like you, Jennifer, I've always been to spirituality and meditation and retreats and spiritual teachers. My parents said, why are you doing this? And I said, I'm looking for a certain state of, of consciousness, a certain state of peace and love. 
And they said, how can we experience that? And I said, there is this medicine called MDMA. If you took it, it would mimic that. And they said, can we have some? I was surprised, but I said, okay. So <laughs> I, I told them how to take it. I gave them a couple of pills. A year later, I asked them if they took it. And they said, yeah, we took it. And I said, what happened? And they said, nothing. I go, really? I said, tell me exactly what happened. We took it and we waited 10 or 15 minutes and nothing happened. Ends up, it takes about 40 minutes to take effect. And I said, well, what happened then? Actually, it was really interesting. We were a little disappointed the drug didn't take effect, but then we ended up talking about how much we love each other and how beautiful the world is. And then after a couple of hours of talking about the meaning of life, we cuddled on the couch. It ended up being the best night of our entire marriage. The only disappointment was that the drug never took effect. <laughs> oh my God, that is amazing. Did you have to explain to them, mom, dad, that was the drug? I did. And they didn't believe it because it doesn't feel like a drug in some other ways. It feels like you at your most loving, peaceful place you've ever been. There's no hallucinations or anything like that. So in that way, it's even more useful because it, it really shows us how we would be if we didn't have any fear or any uh, obstacles. Mm, yeah, it's such a great point. I remember when I was going through a divorce about five, six years ago, my teacher at the time, one of my spiritual teachers and mentors, when I was really like soul searching, you've spent 14 years of your life with somebody and you're like, oh, yeah. do I leave it all behind? Is this the right thing to do? And my teacher, David, said something really deep, what you just touched on. He said, Jen, you'll know the time is right to get the divorce when you can come from love instead of fear, from love instead of fear on any choice you make in life. It will always be the right choice. Yeah, that's beautiful. And we all have the ability to tap within, but we're also busy that we need these helpers nowadays, whether it be a meditation technique or love meditation, or uh, medicine. And by using the best inner technology, mm. hopefully we can create more good in the world. Yeah, it's so many of us. I was on a phone call with somebody recently who was going through some struggles with his ex. And he said, oh, I wish I could see her in a better way, but it wouldn't make a difference because she's always going to be how she is. And we all have that experience though, right? We all have that, that well, it's not going to change, so why bother? And it's not good or bad. It's just, wow, what would it take for all of us to shift our perspective around the world about ourselves first? That I think is the catalyst is that we think, oh, if the person over there would change, if they would change their perspective and change what they're doing, how they're being their thoughts, then I could get what I want. Though really ontologically speaking, it's shifting who we're being over here that then gives us access to new ways of seeing and interacting with people in the world. Yeah, you mentioned like the different lenses. And I, I give people like sometimes simple phrases that help them tap into a new lens. A new lens could be when you're judging somebody or you're having a hard time with someone, it could be, it must be really hard being them. That's a compassionate lens. Mm -hmm. Or another lens might be uh, something like, they're being a perfect them. They're doing that role of kind of a jerk perfectly. If I need a jerk in my next movie, I'm going to hire them because they're fantastic at this. That kind of changes how you look at someone or even how am I like them? There's certain politicians I, that trigger me nowadays. 
And when I see them doing something like lying or something, I say, do I ever do that? Yeah, I do. And that creates less separation. So all these ways to change ourselves. And when you change yourselves, you notice, wow, people really react differently to me now. Yeah, it, it is so true. I share very openly with people about, hi, I'm Jennifer K. Hill. I'm a recovering jerk. Nice to meet you. <laughs> because people don't believe it. Like in my late teens and early 20s, I, like you, I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was miserable in my own skin. And mm -hmm. the thing we often don't take into consideration, and we were talking about this actually on the show I did with Scott this weekend, this last weekend with The Awakening World, is that we all have something that makes us amazing and extraordinary. Yet sometimes or oftentimes we're interacting with the 10% of the worst of us, the pain, the suffering, the anguish, the hatred, the resentment. And that's all we see. And because that's all we focus on. And yet you have this whole other aspect of the human being that we've been so myopic that we've missed. And if we could expand our awareness and expand our vision to encapsulate the whole and get curious about it, wow, that would be amazing. In fact, on one of my favorite spiritual podcasts I listened to called regarding, or sorry, Weekly Energy Boost, they had a mm -hmm. great thing recently that they said, I think it was on this week's episode, where a 10-year-old child came up to the Kabbalah Center, to the co-founders of it, Michael and Monica, and said, what do you love most about life? Mm. mic drop and then everybody went off and was asking this at like the lunch tables afterwards what yeah. if we all asked one another what do you love most about life what sort of conversations what could that spark with one another right i love that question i wrote a book just of questions one of the times i was in the oprah show called life's big questions and um i had two or three of my favorite ones but i really liked that one one of my favorites was, have you ever experienced anything that you couldn't explain that was like miraculous or psychic or you just couldn't explain it? And about 80% of people answer yes. And when you start to talk about those things, it expands like, wow, maybe my limited lens of the world really is limited. And that can be really fun to talk to people who I asked my accountant this, and he shares the stories of encounters with angels that change our relationship when I found out about that. Or another one of my questions that I like is, is there, and this is a good way to tap into peace now, is there anything that you can notice now that feels peaceful or relaxed or quiet in your experience? Is there anything in your experience that you can notice that feels peaceful or relaxed or quiet? And as you focus on that, you realize, oh, yeah, I do feel my chest feels relaxed. Or I notice that there is a, a sense of silence around me. And as you tune into that, you can feel much better very quickly. Yeah, I, I think I completely concur with you on that, Jonathan. It's the noise is what causes us the greatest amount of pain. It's for me, I've noticed in meditation, when I meditate, you get that stillness, that same experience I had on sassafras, MDMA, whatever it was that it was yeah. given to me, that medicine, where it's all of a sudden there was this peaceful quiet that was just like palpable, right? And mm -hmm. when we meditate, when we do breath work, when we just allow ourselves to be device free for a few minutes, a few hours, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and we just are with ourselves in the stillness, 
then what's really amazing is we're not trying to take energy. I was on the phone with a friend earlier who was talking about how we're so focused on transactions when what the world really needs, which is what MDMA and ecstasy is doing, is oxytocin. We need Mm -hmm. more of that oxytocin, more of that love, and less of that transactions of like me, share, but it's not good for our soul. Yeah. We're always a little bit resisting stuff. Resist. We want. We think it would always be better if this was just a little bit different. And one of the questions that helps me feel peaceful is, can I allow things to be exactly as they are just for the next 20 seconds? Mm. That way you're not resisting. You're just being with what is. And if you can let go of that resistance, love and peace is our actual natural true nature. Uh, one story which uh, I'll share with you. I was visiting a guru in India, and as I got to his ashram, he told me to sit in front of him. So I sit in front of him, and he looks at me real closely, and he says, who are you? I said, I'm Jonathan Robinson from the United States. And he said, he started laughing, and he said, no, who are you really? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm a writer. He goes, nah, I'm a, a spiritual seeker. No, I'm a man. No, I'm a husband. No, we did this for two minutes. Finally, I run out of roles, and I'm looking at him in the eye, And there's like beams of light coming out of his eyes. And I started to feel this churning in my chest. I decided just to let go and relax with it. And it felt like I was hit by like a huge wave of love. And it was so intense, I just started sobbing. I'd never felt so much love and peace. Mm. And I'm just like in his lap sobbing. And he taps me on the head and he says, this love and this peace you feel now, that's who you really are. And your job in life is to get back to it any way you can. I remember that, that that's like my job. And, and that's why we're given life is to find our way back to that. And we're not the annoyance or the, I gotta get this done. We have a nature that is there and we all need to what Ramdas used to say, walk each other home mm. and help each other get back there before we blow up the whole place. Yeah, I totally agree. I, are you familiar with the Sedona method? I think it's sure, sure. Yeah. The Sedona method. So when I notice I'm resisting something, because I think there are five questions that, if I'm recalling correctly, Todd Dweiskin, I think is the same, who created it. And the first is something say that you're really pissed off or angry about. You could have a friend ask you this question or ask it to yourself. Could you simply welcome the war in the world, whatever it is? And then you might say yes or no. And then you just say, thank you, or have your friends say, thank you to you. Then you say, could you simply allow? And you might be like, no, I cannot allow that. Or, and you're allowed to feel that way. And then the- Or allow it for 20 seconds. You don't have to, just this moment. Yeah, allow it in that moment. And you go through, could you welcome it? Could you allow it? Could you release it? Would you release it? When will you release it? And I have found that I take friends through this exercise and coaching clients, by the time you go through it five or six times, often that like angst and that resistance, Mm -hmm. that desire to crush something or someone about it just dissipates into this freedom and peace. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, interviewed Hale Dwoskin, the the, the creator, and I have a big section about it in the Enlightenment Project. It's a great method. I like those methods that you can do in a minute or so that you can really shift your consciousness. 
it sounds like you've interviewed just about everyone, Jonathan, and I am so grateful that you took time to do an interview with me today. I think you even have your own podcast we were talking about as well. Where would people find your podcast, more about you, find the new book, find out about your trainings? What's the best way for people to connect? The podcast is Awareness Explorers, and they can get that on any podcast app. I do have, for the last book, xtcasmedicine.com, and people can learn about the book or learn about the training right from there. That's a good way. Beautiful. And I think, what was the MDMA trainings one you mentioned as well? Yeah, that was mdmatraining.net. And that's exciting because I want to train 10,000 people to be able to guide these trips and help other people because I think if we can spread the love, however, that's going to be really good for the world. Beautiful, Jonathan. We've had Jonathan Robinson here, as you may have seen in the past on Oprah, CNN, and many other places. Jonathan, you are a wealth of wisdom, and I'm intending that each and every one of us who's listening or watching this walks away with a little gem of wisdom, of enlightenment, and maybe at the end of the day, all it is to say thank you a few more times to yourself and to what you've already been gifted with in life. So thank you. Thank you so much, Jennifer.